We're excited to share this podcast in partnership with the American Association of Nurse Anesthetists as part of the new video and audio streaming platform, the CRNA Knowledge Network. For currently active members of the ANA, you can earn free Class A continuing education credits with this podcast through January 31, 2020. Yes, you heard it right. It is free. Visit aanackn.com and log in with your AANA user ID and password to access the audio sessions. Sharon and I here at Beyond the Mask, we're happy to be part of this initiative and we hope you enjoy the show. Beyond the Mask is also made possible by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. Schedule a free consultation today at crnafinancialplanning.com. Now, on with the show. Welcome to Beyond the Mask, innovation and opportunities for CRNAs with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. We know you spend your day caring for your patient's best interests. On our show, we want to care for you. Join us as we leave the operating room and learn the latest in the CRNA industry. Beyond the Mask starts in 10, 9, 8, 7, Welcome to Beyond the Mask. I'm Jeremy Stanley, and I've been working with CRNAs for over 23 years, and I'm married to one. My co-host is Sharon Pierce. Sharon's a practicing CRNA for over 20 years, the past president of the AANA, the NCANA, and she's held many other leadership roles in the association. Our goal with every episode is to educate and enlighten CRNAs. We recently went on a podcast recording blitz at the ANA meeting in Chicago. We conducted lots of interviews with some of the industry's most interesting people. We have a wonderful guest in house with us today, Miss Christy Hoke, and we want to welcome you. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah, you were on uh, mid-year as well. We're making this kind of a reoccurring theme. I love these things, and <laughs> my students do too. That's great. That's good to hear. We'd like to hear that. We just <laughs> hope do. that they're listening to especially the historical series. Yes. Um, students should listen to all of those. Well, speaking of students, that is your topic today, which is student perspectives of anesthesia <laughs> school in 2020. And uh, I'm sure they have a lot of perspectives. They do. They do. I One of the reasons that I love being an educator is that I learn just as much from my students as I think they do for me. And sometimes I think I learn more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So their perspectives um, invigorate me and always have. Well, you know, I kind of miss teaching students anymore because they keep you on your toes. Mm-hmm. And I don't have people asking me, why do you do what you do? So I kind of miss having students around sometimes. <laughs> sometimes I miss having students around um, um, because uh, some days you realize, uh, you know, you're the smartest you will ever be book-wise the day you graduate from anesthesia school. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not sure that I would trade my knowledge for that knowledge now because, you know, I've learned also the art as well as the science of anesthesia but they do keep you on your toes oh absolutely Absolutely. they do they are smart uh sometimes i wonder if i'd even get into anesthesia school today i see some of these bios of these kids and all the things that they have done and they are brilliant they are amazing yeah they are 
Well, this is a, an important topic because they are the future of this CRNA profession, and we want to make sure that we're giving them all the right tools and right skill sets. And uh, sounds like, from what you're saying, Sharon, we are. We uh, well, you know, I'd like to also a uh, shout out to Linda Williams, my mentor. She's the one who said students are ten percent of us, but they're a hundred percent of our future. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And no truer words have ever been said. So tell us what you think some of the advantages of being a nurse anesthesia student in 2020 will be. I think one of the biggest is the information technology and innovations that are coming with students being able to do a lot of their coursework online. You can take, um, like, biochemistry and physics and those things online. So a lot of our students aren't having to move to a university Mm -hmm. to take their courses. They can take them online in the comforts of their own home. We even have students that are taking exams online and being proctored through their webcams. Oh, wow. Well, you know, they're thinking that the recredentialing exam, they were looking at you being able to take it at your house and being proctored. Wow. Isn't that interesting? Now, I will tell you, whenever I decided to go back to school to get my DMP, I had to take a statistics course. Now, mind you, I hadn't had statistics in about 29 years, and it was online. And at first, I thought this would not be a good thing, but... She would do her lectures with her PowerPoint. I could put them on my phone, and I could, I'm driving to work, and I could hear the audio. So I could hear it over and over again. Now, when I went to anesthesia school, now we would, some of us would bring tape recorders and tape uh, tape the lectures, and you could listen to them over and over with all your little tapes going in and out of your tape recorder. (laughs) But I I thought it was extremely valuable to be able, if you're sitting in a class, you only hear it one time. I could hear it over and over again. And that is another advantage in that I can create through video my lecture, post my PowerPoint. I can share all of that information with them ahead of time so that when we meet for class time, and I call it discussion time because that's truly what Mm -hmm. it is, we're not going through that lecture piece by piece by piece. We're going over the sticky points, the things that they're struggling to understand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I know that the level and depth of their understanding is much stronger. So that is a huge advantage because there's many times universities have a one or two hour credit course that... In nurse anesthesia should be a four-hour credit course, but we don't want to make it a four-hour credit course because then they're going to have to pay Pay for for it. (laughs) (laughs) And as you and I both know, nurse anesthesia school is so intense. Mm -hmm. I had one of my classmates describe it as standing at the end of a fire hydrant, just letting it all wash over you. (laughs) (laughs) And isn't that the truth? It, It is. You know, I have recollections of that it is like drinking water through a fire hose for sure it's tremendously intense and stressful and it's the reason that during the interview process we ask them what is your support system what does that look like how can we help you because we all know that you can't get through it by yourself it has to be a team and i heard somebody on the education committee say it takes a village because mm-hmm. it truly, truly does. 
Yeah, and what about mentorships? It seems like you can use social media to do things like that nowadays as well. Absolutely, you can. Um, I uh, Through Facebook, there is a group out there that connects mentors in whatever field you're in. I mean, you could be looking to go into independent practice or be um, a clinical coordinator or something like that, and the students can hook up with you and you can kind of help guide them through the process. Like I had a student ask me, listen, I'm going to be doing my very first care plan, and this isn't one of my students. I, I mentor them every day. This was somebody from across the country, and I sent her just kind of some basic things saying, look at this, look at this, look at this, look at this. The most important thing now with our profession moving to a doctorate of nursing practice Mm -hmm. is that you used evidence-based. So I said the smartest thing to do is to reference it. Show them where you get this information. Because as you and I know, we've been in practice for years. There's a million different ways to give an anesthetic, and Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean there's one wrong way or one right way. But know what the evidence says Mm -hmm. and be current all of that is great information now the demand for crnas has risen how is that affecting you as far as getting clinical sites and are people more willing to have you there because they're hoping that your students will stick around absolutely absolutely Uh, i mean i (laughs) and we kind of laughed about it but i've had had people reaching out to me at least once a week saying hey i want to have your students come here and i'll entertain the question and my first few questions out of the gate are always in pertaining to our specialties Mm -hmm. because it's been really challenging to get pediatric rotations obstetric rotations cardiac rotations if you've got one of those for me i will absolutely start working through the process to get our students there they know that if they have a student who comes and does a rotation with them, whether it's a specialty rotation that's only a couple of months or maybe it's a full semester, you're on a job interview. Mm-hmm. I tell that student every day. Oh, you're that's good. <laughs> that's good information. Yes. You walk in, you're on a job interview. So put your best foot forward every single day. And the facilities are doing the same thing because they want to recruit that person to stay and work for them. They're already training you to be their employee. Right. Right. So right. basically, well, it's an internship. They want you, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. It's a win-win on both sides. Yeah. How's the DMP changing opportunities for these students and CRNAs as they graduate and get out? Well, you know, I have a lot of students that ask me that. They're like, listen, I just want to learn nurse anesthesia. All right. And because it is so intense, it does seem somewhat overwhelming to them. But having gone through my doctorate after being in practice, what I found is that I learned the process, the systems process, that helped me to entertain much more at a leadership level what I can do and should be doing for my practice, my profession, and future leadership opportunities that we have never been afforded before. We're getting into the fiscal C-suite. We're getting into the systems approach to things. And that, to me, is the largest benefit of the doctorate program. Well, I have to be honest here. I was a hard sell. They... <laughs> I know you were. <laughs> um, I, Whenever I was president, I would get a lot of emails from CRNAs. Why were we mandating this? And 
you know, people need to understand this was not generated from within the CRNA community. It was through the College of Nursing wanting all APRNs to go to the DMP level. We got on the train. Everybody else jumped off the train, and we're the only ones who actually mandated it. And I had some questions about it initially also, and of course now that I find myself in school, I do understand exactly what you're saying because uh, it's opened my eyes a whole lot to a lot of different things that I may not have been particularly aware of. So I get it. I do get it. I I remember having that aha moment. I was still working full time and trying to do it. And so I would go home every night and post to discussion boards. And And cry. Write papers (laughs) all the time. All the time. Doing it right now. (laughs) Right? And uh, I was writing one of the sections on setting up your conceptual or your theoretical framework. And I remember in nursing school and in nurse anesthesia that it was like, oh, seriously, theories? You've got to be kidding. I don't want to do this. But then I'm putting it together and I went, oh, now I get it. Now I get it. This gives me the foundation for which I can say, this is the concept, this is the framework, this is how we can implement this into clinical practice using evidence based material. And it was just like, I was so excited. For like a week, I walked around telling everybody about this, and they just looked at me like I had drunk the Kool Aid. Well, you are a little bit more of a nerd than I am then, because I'm still not there on theoretical frameworks. <laughs> So let's talk about the prospects for these graduating students. You could not ask for more. I have students who just graduated in May. Every single one of them was offered three or four different positions. They really said, well, how do I pick which one I want to go to? And I said, well, I can't tell you which one because I may pick something completely different than you. Mm -hmm. You need to sit down, look at the pros and cons. You may want something that gives you that eight to three, seven to three sort of position. You may want something that you can go in and make as much money as you possibly can. You may want to be in a care team model. You may want to be in an independent practice model. But to have that opportunity where you're in the driver's seat and making that is fantastic. It's fantastic. So I am very excited. The one thing that I am trying to incorporate into our program now is that when you get to that point, don't just take their first offer. Look at the contract, read through it, and know what those points are that you can negotiate on. And I think training nurse anesthesia to look at things and negotiate their prospects, mm-hmm. is it, it's a hidden skill. Yeah, well, that brings up uh, another good point. They're, they're obviously graduating and getting this DNP, but I, I guess one of the challenges is that it's also a costlier endeavor. And um, you want to talk about that for a minute? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Boy, that was a big sigh. I mean, that just, sorry, I just felt like I busted your bubble right there. No, no, you didn't. I, I, you know, graduate school is expensive. And if it was free, anybody could do it. Right? Yeah. But, you know, these students are coming out of their training, graduate training, with six-figure debts. And that debt is just so overwhelming to them. What I tell students as I'm kind of guiding them through the financial aid process is don't take everything unless you have to. Because the amount that you are going to have to pay back is going to be phenomenal. And... 
unless you can work yourself into a budget or figure that piece out a little bit better, you need to not take it all. And the other thing that I um, really forewarn students about is looking at those places that offer student loan repayment. Everybody's looking for that because they've got six-figure debt. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I warn them about that is, is that that is counted as part of your pay. So if you're making $150,000 and you get $10,000 in student loan repayment, then that $160,000 is truly your take-home pay. Right. And they're paying taxes on it, it, right? Yes. Absolutely. And they don't know that. Yeah, they don't pay attention to that. And you get down and they go, why is it that I've got to pay $3,000 for my federal income tax? Well, because this isn't your take-home pay. This is your take-home pay. Mm -hmm. Wow. So they need to understand that. And I can tell you how many students did not understand that. Oh, the majority of them don't. I mean, we talk to them all the time and they have no clue about that. I'm glad you are talking to them. Yeah. I think every program needs to be talking about these things. They need to educate these folks when they come out on those options, talk to them and, and let them know that this is a negotiation, especially in this environment. If everybody's getting three or four offers, everything's negotiable. Number right. one, they're in demand. And number two, having that conversation around the cost of anesthesia school before, during, and after they get done is imperative because coming out, you know, we're seeing 180 to 250 in debt right now. Oh, absolutely. And you know, a, a lot of CRNAs are, are very good with their money, but there's a there's a lot that aren't, um, and they live above their means, and then they've got 250 thousand dollars in debt. You make good money, but I always say you don't make Warren Buffett money. And, you know, you can't live your life that way. So having those conversations, educating them around that. But a lot of them just see, you know, one, I'm going to come out making a whole lot more than my parents did or more than my friends are making that are mm-hmm. that are nurses. I'm kind of leaving behind at the old place I was at. And I'm putting myself through this for three years. And, you know, I, I'm going to enjoy this. Um, you know, I'm going to enjoy my life a little bit and, uh, you know, along the way I'm going to take a little bit extra out and, you know, maybe do some things that I wouldn't have done, but because I'm going to have this opportunity on the back end, that's what's going on. And, um, unfortunately, like you said, to pay this back by the time you factor in the interest and everything else that's associated with that, it's a lot of money. What is it? It's like 7%. That's right. Six something, seven. And the government borrows money at half percent and then charges... Yeah. Close to 7%, but right. that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, I don't think we want to go uh, there. No, we don't want to talk about that. We'll be here until midnight. But, you know, Jeremy Jeremy provides this service. I know my son-in-law, before he was my son-in-law, worked with you guys, already starting to plan his, his retirement. And I believe y'all even worked with him on budget and how to pay back his loans and even – Whenever he was going to ask my daughter to marry him, he had a special ring made for her. He designed, and they helped him with budgeting. So he wouldn't even ask Shelly to marry him until he had the ring had the paid, ring paid for. for. He was very disciplined. I mean, that, wow. that was great. You know, and, that, and that's what it takes. I mean, we, we tell a lot of these students graduating, you know, live like you would have lived if you were still making your nurse salary. Mm-hmm. And if you can do that for two or three years, 
and we can really focus on getting this debt paid off in two or three years. One, it instills a lifelong trait that they're not going to spend everything they make and they're going to save some of that money. Two, it gives them such a sense of accomplishment that, you know, not only have they, they gotten this DMP and gotten out and they're a CRNA, but now they're in control of their money and they've paid off this debt. We had one girl down in Texas who had $280,000 in student loan debt. She paid it off in two and a half years. She was working 1099. She made a lot of money. She traveled. She had hardly any expenses. She was getting a housing stipend. They were giving her so much per day, per diem, to eat and so forth. And she just socked all that money away towards her student loans and got it done. Um, you know, and we, we try to tell them, you know, if we can get this paid off in three, four years and you're debt free, man, making the money you guys make and the opportunity, you could have a good life. What is it you tell the students? I think this is important for students who hear this. You ask for two days a month. Isn't that how you? Yeah. So basically, at a minimum, we we ask them for one to two days a month extra on top of what they would have worked. So in other words, if if we can throw another $1,500 a month at your student loans or $18,000 a year, um, we can work out a plan to get you paid off, you know, in a three, four-year time period. So, um, but yeah, one to two shifts a month, we won't dedicate it to that student loan. It might be you go back and you're working a 1099 gig at, uh, you know, doing plastics or whatever that is. It might be you're working an extra shift at W-2, um, but one to two days a month. And that plus your regular loan payment, we can work a plan to get you out of that debt. Yeah, I think that's very important. And you got to break it down like that, I think. Yeah, it's much easier to see it in that black and white sort of concrete. Right. If you do this, you get this. Absolutely. And the other thing that I don't think that they understand is that you move up a tax bracket. Yes. And that <laughs> is like, <laughs> Ooh, okay. Uh-huh. I, I remember getting my first paycheck and I was just so excited because I was like, yes, finally I'm getting paid for, to do this. And I looked at it and I'm like, whoa. What happened? <laughs> what happened here? Happen? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you bring up another really great point and it may not be for today's podcast, but maybe in the future is I have a lot of students asking me when they're getting down to that point of finding a new job, should I go to work for a hospital and work W-2, or should I do 1099? Should I work for an academic facility? Should I work for an independent practice facility? And those are all questions that ultimately come down to them and their personal decisions, but there are a lot of ramifications as to what your first job is. Them not understanding that can kind of, I I mean, I've heard from other students say, oh, that was, that was a poor decision on my part because they didn't understand what all of that meant right and i think that would be a good podcast we could just talk about all those issues surrounding that um so jot that down it's on the list (laughs) it's on the list so what are some other challenges that students may face right now um some of the challenges i think are not having good support systems and um, getting into it, and they weren't quite ready to study. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they weren't ready to study. They. It's been a while since they've been a student. Mm. Don't mm-hmm. I know that pain? There you go. <laughs> 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 and um, it's that, and especially because it's at the end of the fire hose or the fire hydrant, right. and you haven't studied like that ever. I mean, I remember getting into anesthesia school and I had just finished an accelerated nursing program, which I thought was pretty intense. Mm -hmm. It was a whole new level. And you have to learn all of that information in less than a week. 
and take a test on it. Right. And, and they're like, I don't know how to study. And so luckily there's a lot of universities out there that have programs, academic success mm-hmm. coaches that sit with you and work with you. And, you know, a lot of it is just biobehavioral feedback sort of information as to how not to get stressed when you have this much information. Mm-hmm. And that's very, very helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think one of the things that I learned that has helped me in my own personal life by helping my students was the use of Cornell Notes, where you take the topic and you s- separate it all out, and then you've got the highlights. For me, it was always like an outline, bullet points, all this kind of stuff. But they've got it down to a science now. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's one of the bigger challenges. So the cost, learning how to study, what's your support system look like, the information technology, depending on where you are, there's a lot of people who don't have the super speed high Wi-Fi. They'll be in the middle of a test and it'll oh cut my God. down. Oh, no. Now that'll stress you out. <laughs> yes, that's major stress. It happened oh. to my daughter taking the bar exam. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it, there's a lot of these things that we talk about that can be advantages, but they're also disadvantages. Yeah. And the fact that some of our students come in and they haven't used a lot of the different platforms that are out there, like Zoom, which is video conferencing, or Examity, where you've got a proctor who can watch you on mm-hmm. the webcams, or ExamSoft, where you've got your whole exam that you can take online. And, you know, we as professors can decide you can take this this way or this way, or you can use a calculator or not use a calculator but um, we just had our final and one of the things that I tried to implement very early to prepare them for boards is the no backward navigation so if you've taken a question you answer it and you move on and a lot of people are like no 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 I'm used to doing this where I can go back and look right. at things and change that would my be answer hard for me see I don't I go all the way through I of course you would I, I, I won't I mean I, I make a decision I move then I go home. I think that's a gender thing. I, I'm with him. I don't know. You are too. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. Maybe it's not a gender thing. Well, Maybe it's a nerd thing. Maybe it is. You're you're a nerd too, though. But, but not on your scale. But, but you know, my daughter is in a nursing school at uh, the University of North Carolina Greensboro, and she is actually doing some of these things that you're talking about. And she was taking an exam one day, and I knocked on her door. Dad, I'm taking an exam. you got to go away. And she was at home, and um, she came out, and she was like, yeah, it was proctored. And the lady that was proctoring it was in Mexico City because she was taking a Spanish exam. Hmm. And, you know, she was having to do the exam with that proctor, and you had to speak, you know, all Spanish, obviously, wow. and so forth. It was, But it was interesting because, you know, I've never done anything like that. You know, I've never had to do anything like that. I thought it was really neat. What about social media? I mean, you know, social media can be good, Mm -hmm. but I think uh, it can also, I've heard stories of putting students at risk to a certain point as well. Absolutely. Um, You know, we've been talking about advantages and disadvantages of being a student in 2020. And social media can be very helpful in that you can reach out and you can ask a question and people will reply back to you and give you a really good solid answer. But it doesn't mean that everybody will give you a good solid answer. Some people give you answers that lead you off the cliff very, very quickly. And then you find yourself in a conversation and you're over your head. Right. And um, 
it can be very disruptive. And I've had a lot of students come back to me and say, so I've been looking at this social media site and the conversation that's out there just seems so negative. And how do you overcome that? What, what do you think about this? And I said, well, just like in life, you have to take everything with a grain of salt. You have to sometimes read between the lines and decipher for yourself what you think the right decision or right answer is. And um, they're like, but I felt personally attacked by some of these people. And we've been out there. We know it can happen. And at that point, I just say, okay, my advice to you is take a break from it for a while. Don't look at it. Don't go back. Um, Good advice for students as well as seasoned attorneys. You know, we had Caroline Kilman on, who is uh, the current student rep to the Education Committee. And she talked a lot about social media and how demeaning sometimes it can be to students. And so then we had another podcast with Ashley Fadan and Caroline. And talking about all of these difficulties that students and she said something that i will not forget the incongruity that she has seen between leaders in our organization and what they portray on social media and the students are watching that oh absolutely they are yeah you can make one comment and I always try really, really hard to, in the back of my mind before I post something, think, would I want my mother to read this? Would I want those leaders that went ahead of me to read this? And I, there's been times that I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I need to revise this because the way mm-hmm. that I'm saying it is in a negative tone. Mm-hmm. And I don't ever want it to be in a negative tone because ultimately we are in this together. United, one voice, one team, one fight. I couldn't have said that any But what, what is that saying, Sharon? I've heard you say it before. Um, nurses eat their young. Uh, is that... Is that <laughs> chew them but up, but, you know, spit I, I see this out. social media stuff as well. And, you, I mean, you guys all see it. I mean, I'm on a lot of the CRNA Facebook pages. And sometimes the stuff, I mean, it just bewilders me. I don't Like in our industry, in the financial industry, we, we have certain... We have n- nothing like that. I mean, really? It just, no, it just really amazes me. I You're mean, kidding. I don't no, believe this. I just no. talked to some uh, gal here who has a Peloton bike, and they evidently have a Facebook pages. And she said that she de- de- does not even engage on those because people got ugly on the Peloton bike site. Well, I mean, you know, like our professional organization, uh, Certified Financial Planner right. Board, of, you know, and that, and um, I'm a fiduciary, so there's stuff that goes around that, and then our, you know, but but we don't, I just don't see that back really? and forth in our industry like I do. Really? I really don't. I mean, it, and, and it just bewilders me when I see that, because... You know, like you said earlier, I mean, these students are seeing this, but they'll even attack students on there sometimes and say stuff. And I'm like, these kids, kids, these these students sure. are the future. Why do you want to tear people down like that? You know, and that's that's one of the things Caroline also told us right. in that. I mean, it, it it's very interesting dynamic to me well, as a third party. You know, just let's just think about this. Um, nursing is an oppressed profession so if you can't bite up you bite beside of you and that's why i think nurses Mm. eat their young and 
you know, I was under the impression that what we're seeing is kind of across the board because people are saying it's a societal issue. But what I'm hearing from you is totally maybe it isn't maybe it isn't maybe it's just an occupation (laughs) well and one of the other things that I tell students is that on social media it's like you're not in person you're not sitting there having a conversation with them Mm -hmm. so you've got this mask that's out there and, and they've got to get beyond, to the, mask, beyond the mask. Beyond the mask. They've got yeah. to. Get beyond the mask, people. <laughs> I like that. So you have only recently become an educator. And what made you take that leap? Well, it, it was kind of interesting because I had never in my lifetime planned to become an educator. I was all about being independent practice and promoting CRNAs, doing those sorts of things. And... Um, Someone approached me about this position. I was like, it, the first things out of my mouth were absolutely not. <laughs> uh, no, that's not me. And then I went home and I had a conversation with my husband. And my husband said to me, he goes, well, you know, maybe you should just look into it. Because honestly, what I see is that when you go to a meeting, an A&A meeting or some other thing, um, you're drawn to the students. And you spend time with them a lot more than you do with other people. And he goes, why is that? And I always told him that it was because I wanted their experience at their first AANA meeting to be as enthusiastic and exciting as Mm -hmm. mine. And I wanted to instill in them the love and passion for our profession. He said, well, what better way to ensure the future of your profession than to train the future? Right. And I said, okay. And he goes, and besides the fact that I constantly hear you say, well, anybody can train somebody to work clinically. You always say you want them to be the best clinical provider that they can be, and you want them to be the best leader that they can be. So boots on the ground, sister. Let's go. (laughs) Sounds like a good husband there. What I find most intriguing after all of this discussion, because we ask a lot of our guests uh, to tell us something interesting about themselves, just so our audience can get to know you also (laughs) as a person. And since I do girls' trips with the Fab Four, you know, uh, Jackie Rolls, Carol Deutscher, Tracy Castleman, and I have been friends for nearly 20 years, I found how you choose your trips to be intriguing. Why don't you tell everybody (laughs) so uh my best friend and i do girls weekend um neither one of us can get away very much because she's studying to get her phd so we take an extended weekend and at some point during that time we go out for a nice dinner have a glass of wine and take a piece of paper or ask for a piece of paper and each of us write down three locations that we'd like to go to for the next year we put them in a cup or dish or something and um, ask one of the restaurant staff members to draw it out so that there's no oh I didn't want to go there you shouldn't have drawn that one and um, it's really interesting because everybody watches us do this and the whole restaurant is pretty into it by the time we're done (laughs) because they're like oh that's so cool because the wait staff goes around going you know what they're doing right it's so cool so the wait staff will pull it out and we find out where we're going next year and yeah it is really cool because it involves everybody yeah we don't look at what the other locations were so that we could 
you know, recycle and use them them next year. But as we're leaving, you look back and there's people getting up and going over and sitting down and And reading them out loud. (laughs) So where was your last trip? (laughs) We went to Santa Fe, New Mexico. Oh. Oh. Did you go for the balloon fest or? No, we didn't. Um, It was just when we could find time to Mm. go, but it was absolutely beautiful and the airport is super small mm. <laughs> and the wind was blowing and you you do one of those turbulent sort of landings but yeah it was great that's awesome that's awesome well I, I think this has been a great episode i think we came up with maybe a couple more for you to do if you'll come back and join us one i would day. love to um and on all that is there anything you want to get across as we conclude here to our listeners being a student is tough And nurse anesthesia school, if it were easy, everybody would be doing it. Right. And they're not. It's very competitive to get into. It's very expensive to do. And you will be, when you're done, an ultimate professional. So of all the things that I would ask you to do is to um, be professional, pay it forward, pay it back. Pertinent advice. And I would do it all over again, as I'm sure you would, too. In a heartbeat. All right. Well, I think that's a wrap. We want to thank our listeners for listening to Beyond the Mass with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. If you're a fan, please subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate us. Leave us a review. It helps new listeners find us. And please share these episodes on social media so we can get the word out. It's a wrap. Hi, everybody. This is Jeremy. Remember back in episode 45 when my co-hosts Sharon Pierce and Kimberly Gordon talked about the candidate school for nurses that they're piloting at Yale for May of 2020. The application process opened on January 1st. If you're a nurse or a nurse anesthetist and interested in running for elected office or even if you're interested in managing another nurse's campaign, you will not want to miss this opportunity. As the first candidate school for nurses in the country, you will want to be in the inaugural class. Just go to the Yale Nursing website and search Candidate School for Nurses and apply today. Like what you're hearing? Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you like to listen to shows. Also, be sure to check out beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Each episode is posted there with a corresponding blog post, and we timestamp important parts of the episode to help you quickly get to the content you're looking for. Also, check out the special series section on the site. You can follow along and catch up on the CRNA History Series, episodes specifically about political conversations in the industry, or try the CRNA Personal Finance Series. It's all on beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And if you have a question for the show or want to be a guest or even suggest a particular topic, fill out the contact form on the site or send an email directly to us at info at beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And lastly, let's take the conversation social. Check out our Beyond the Mask podcast Facebook page and Facebook group. Today's show was made possible by the folks at CRNA Financial Planning, an independent consulting firm that offers financial planning services exclusively to CRNAs and their families. From planning for a child's future college expenses to building a predictable income stream in retirement, the firm is committed to offering you comprehensive financial services, customized to fit your unique needs and objectives. If you have questions about your financial future, get them answered. Call the team at 
855-304-3748. That's 855-304-3748. Or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. And thanks for your support of Beyond the Mask. Hi, this is Jackie Rolls, President of the International Federation of Nurse Anesthetists and President and Founder of Our Hearts, Your Hands, a global anesthesia support community that takes donations to allow nurse anesthetists in low and middle income countries to go to educational programs, buy equipment or textbooks. Your donations are tax deductible and we would appreciate your support. OSA EMR is a free anesthesia EMR developed by CRNAs that you can download and use on an iPad. Our nonprofit mission is to make sure that solo and small practice CRNAs can digitally record their anesthetics. To learn more, visit OSAEMR.com to download and consider donating to our cause. Remember, for CRNAs, data is destiny. <laughs> 